Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello and welcome back to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined, as always, by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. How's it going, guys? Hey, Chris. Great. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. Uh, I feel a little bit bad because the last time we were supposed to record, I slept through the recording session. Uh, I, laid, <laughs> I laid down with my two-year-old to help her go to sleep, and any of you who've got kids know how that goes. And I, I'm laying there, and she's not falling asleep, and then it was the next day, and I look at my phone, and I have all these messages from Shepard and Jim wondering why we're not recording. And so that's why there was no Wednesday show for you guys. It is not their fault. I completely failed. And, um, and these guys were ready to record and I just no showed. And so then I, then I woke up, honestly, I woke up at about, uh, midnight. It's like, well, this is not great. This is, uh, this is not what was supposed to happen. So, um, obviously after a really exciting week of football, I would have loved to give you a, a recap show. And we're kind of going to give you a little bit of that with a mix in of some other things. But, uh, so that's my bad guys. I apologize for dropping the ball on that one. Yeah, it's all right. It, it worked it's out good. pretty well for me, so I can't complain a bit. And and we're here to record today, so it's all it's all good. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, so we've got an interesting show today. We're going to do, like I said, things a little bit differently. We normally would be giving you a game preview show, but because this is the bye week, we don't have a game to preview, so that's not going to be happening. But we are going to give you a recap. We're going to have uh, have Shepard give us a little bit of a, a view from the ground of, of Arrowhead because he was actually at this game, which is really cool. And like, what a game to be at. Um, <laughs> so he's going to give us the rundown on what it was like from the ground. And we're going to go through a few, uh, a very abbreviated winners and losers of this game and kind of recap uh, a very exciting Colts game. And we're going to try and we're going to do a new segment called The Truth is Out There. Uh, and we're going to get into that a little bit, and then we're going to wrap it up uh, reminding you about our Stampede Radio jersey giveaway and uh, going through all of the, the details with that. And before we do any of that, we're going to go through a couple of news items. Not a lot, because most of this stuff, like I said, there's not a whole lot of new news, and you've probably read or heard about most of the stuff uh, that's going on with the Colts already this week, but Kamoko Ture obviously dislocated, broken ankle. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the same kind of injury, but but it seemed like a similar injury to what uh, Reese Fountain suffered in training camp. And just really rough. I mean, one of the last plays of the game, and you know he makes a big play and then goes down, and he's out for the season. Now, they have not yet sent him to IR, but at some point before they come back from the bye week, that is probably going to be taking place. Um, 
Darius Leonard is cleared for con- from concussion protocol, so he'll be back in action. And again, I think we talked about this on the last show, but Malik Hooker has said he thinks he may be back in time to play Houston. But regardless of whether he is or isn't, uh, it seems like he's trending well in the direction of being able to come back sooner rather than later, which is a good thing. So um, those are the news items as far as injury go. One other interesting news item, guys, and I know this is something that has piqued a lot of Colts fans' curiosity. Uh, Andrew Luck was sighted at the Colts facility, and there's a picture on Twitter that went up today of him with Jacoby Brissett. And he looks jacked. He looks like a guy who has not missed a workout session anytime recently. And it's just, I mean, it's just interesting. Of course, anytime you see a picture of Andrew Luck and he's he's in the Colts facility, especially you know, when he looks like he's in good shape and everything, it's going to, ha- it's going to prompt questions. So what are you guys thoughts on this? Does this mean anything? Does it mean nothing? I, I have my thoughts, but I'm interested to hear yours. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I ultimately, I don't really think it means anything. Um, I think that, I think that Andrew Luck was, was pretty ready to be done playing football. Um, it doesn't really surprise me that he's, he still looks like he's in shape. Number one, uh, it hasn't been that long. Uh, he, you know, your muscles not going to atrophy that quickly unless you just stop eating and you just never get out of bed. Um, so, you know, it doesn't surprise me. That he still looks like he's in good shape. He, I'm assuming, uh, the fact that his, wife was a, a division one college athlete. They, they probably enjoy working out. Um, just, just guessing. Um, so, you know, him being in shape, that doesn't really surprise me. Him being at the Colts facility, the Colts aren't going to turn him away. Um, you know, Jim Marse will always love Andrew Luck and, and, uh, he was a good teammate and a good guy to have around. So it doesn't surprise me that he's there and that he's welcomed. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that he wants to be there because I think that he did want to be a good teammate and he always wanted to be one of the guys, but I, I truly believe he's done playing football. Yeah. I think it, it's, it goes to show us, it goes along with some of the things we've heard. You know, Jacoby says that he hears more from Andrew than, when he they were teammates, uh, Ty says, you know, he texted before every game, things like that. Like he's actively involved with most of these players, at least the people he knows and he's played with for some time. Uh, and he said he was going to stick around Indy. And I think just to put the point on what Shepard said, he loves the Colts. He loves being a part of that team. He doesn't necessarily want to play football anymore, but he's a part of that team and a part of that culture. And he's going to stick around and he's going to be seen. And I think that's actually pretty cool. Well, and so I agree with all that. And and so what I'd point out even is think about it from the non-football perspective. Most guys who retire, I mean, think about Peyton Manning when he retired. He's well older than any of the other people or most of the other people on the team. So there's not like close friendships because you don't have anything in common with people when you're you know, 15 years older than the primary group of, of guys on the team. But Andrew Luck is not that much older he's one of the guys in terms of age uh and he's been yeah. and he spent a ton of time with these guys so this is his friend group i mean these are people who he's friends with and cares about and he's spent long hours at this facility with them and cares about the colts the same way that they do and and you know once what's you know good for his teammates these guys that he cares about so it's not surprising that he'd want to hang out there that's his group of friends this is a, these are people who he's still definitely right in the same kind of age range as and um they're good friends and coaching staff and uh, 
trainers, players, all those people are people he cares about. So it's not really surprising if he's going to be living in the area. Yeah, he's going to drop in. It's going to happen. And so, yeah, I don't make anything of that. It's definitely interesting. And I knew as soon as I saw the picture go out, it was going to be one of those things that was definitely going to get people's attention. (laughs) But I'm not uh, I'm not thinking that he's eminently coming out of retirement. One of the things that we that we talked about, and um, I'm not sure where I saw this. I believe it was in our Slack channel that there are some some reasons why I mean he can't he can't just come out of retirement and just like oh well after the bye week Andrew Luck's back like that's not happening it's, it can't happen um, I believe it's as a result of him participating in training camp before retiring if he had done what Gronkowski did and retired before the uh, the, the you know training camp and everything began uh, then he might be eligible to come back that way but as it is that's not a possibility and so. That's that's not something that we need to be thinking is imminent. So uh, let's go ahead then and get into this game because this is one of the more significant games that we've seen in I don't know how long. I mean, it's it's been a while since a Colts game of this magnitude has taken place in the regular season with this kind of an outcome. We all know uh, what our predictions were for this game. We were not expecting good good things from this game. And uh, this didn't really look anything like any of us expected it was going to look. Um, I mean, even so, I had predicted a close game, but I don't think anybody dreamed that it was going to be like a close game where I mean, nobody thought, yeah, the Chiefs, they're going to score 13 points and (laughs) ultimately and ultimately be kind of lucky to get that three points at the end. I mean, really, it was it was closer to a 10 point game than it was anything else. I mean, it was it was just completely different than any of us could have expected. So I guess I don't even, I don't even, I don't know how to even respond. Let's first let's to get, to get my brain even wrapped, even having this much distance, let's go ahead. Shepard, I'm going to give you the floor and let you give us an an in-person account of what it's like to be at Arrowhead during a game like this. Sure. Um, So first, um, before I get too far into that, I just want to say that I was definitely wrong. And this is as wrong as I think I've ever been. I I take a lot of credit when I'm right. So I'll go ahead and step up, say, my bad, got this one wrong. Um, As far as... Well, to your credit, you said at least, you know, don't be surprised. Yeah, I don't know if you said maybe the Colts would win, but don't be surprised if they, you know, at least put up a fight. Yeah, no, I, I thought keep Colts, this one close. So, like, yeah. you you did leave it open, just like you told us to not be surprised if the Raiders win that game. Yeah, but I, <laughs> so, I was pretty certain. I'll give you credit where credit. Yeah, too. I was pretty certain the Colts were gonna were gonna lose. So, uh, <laughs> oh, we all were <laughs> right. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So as far as being there and, and being at the game, um, I've been to I've actually been to more games, more Colts games at Arrowhead now than I have at Lucas Oil. Um, and the, anytime, well, anytime, but 2000, was it 2012? Yeah, it was Andrew Luck's rookie year. Um, the, when I was there in 2012, there were probably more Colts fans than Chiefs fans, because if you remember back, uh, the Chiefs earned the first overall pick that year and there was no Andrew Luck for them to draft. So it was kind of a rough year to have that pick, um, the famed 2013 draft, but at any other time, um, it's been, it has been absolutely electric. Anytime you go to Arrowhead, um, they're, they are incredibly loud. Um, they're louder than, than any game I've been to at, at Lucas oil, uh, it, which is amazing because it's a, it's an open air stadium. Um, so when you go in, there's no, there's no sound bouncing down off the ceiling. It's, it's going up and out and they're just incredibly loud. So when you go, um, depending on where you sit, almost every section in the stadium is standing room only. You, you stand for the entire game. You don't sit. 
Um, and, uh, and you know, it's just like being in any, any away stadium. Um, you're going to be surrounded mostly by the fans of that team. And there will be you and like five other people in your section, uh, that are, are wearing blue, uh, which I was. And, uh, anyway, you know, you're, you're there and I, I have this policy uh, anytime I go to a Chiefs game where I will run my mouth a lot uh, before the game in the first quarter, and then depending on what happens the rest of the game, I will either run my mouth or shut my mouth completely. Uh, And what that's determined on is how the Colts are doing. Uh, If the Colts are like doing what they did on Sunday and running the ball down your throat, um, and it's very obvious that this game is not going well for the Chiefs, I keep my mouth shut. Um, Now, I have every reason to gloat. Uh, except for the fact that I do want to walk out of Arrowhead Stadium uh, and not be beaten to death. So um, they're a nice crowd, but they would probably not be so nice if I, um, you know, rubbed it in. So, it, you know, it was a it was a great atmosphere. It was a great win. It was awesome to be there. Uh, I high-fived uh, an old lady in front of me who was also wearing blue, like a lot. I think I hurt her hand a couple times. If you're listening, I'm really sorry. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was really cool to see the Colts win. Uh, that when, when Justin Houston got his, uh, his sack and the crowd booed him, I felt like I felt a little bit bad for Justin Houston, but then when he made that run stop and like effectively ended the game, uh, and then he, he was like just staring down the chief sideline and clearly having a good time. I felt really good for Justin Houston. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a fun game to be at. Um, I went with a, a Chiefs fan, so I think that that helped me a little bit walking out to my car. Nobody, nobody really said anything to me. Um, overall, a good experience. A lot of fun to be there. Um, and uh, you know, if uh, if if every single game I go to at Arrowhead from here on out has the same uh, same type of feel, that would be great. Absolutely, it, it was definitely the game to be at in terms of both outcome and. It sounded like it was pretty rowdy from from the broadcast, mm-hmm. and I know the beat writers were talking about four hours early arriving to the stadium, and the the cars are already rolling in because the tailgating is beginning, and um, so just seems like a very cool experience yeah. overall. And um, I I would be excited for a chance to go back and play there this in this postseason if if the Colts end up that in that that way. I think it'd be an interesting uh, chance to get to do that again. So. Very cool, and um, glad that you got to see it. Also glad you were wrong, as I know you were. You are as well. So let's get into it real yeah. quick, and we're not going to go in too far because obviously there there are a lot that can go around. But let's just throw out. Uh, we'll we'll go through three winners. So who's your big winner, Jim, uh, from this game? That if you have to if you have to just pick one, you can only pick one. Who's your big winner from this game? Oh man, I only get to pick one. You only get to pick one. Well, then I'm. I'm gonna go with an easy one, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Marlon Mack. It's a good pick. I feel that's 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 a pretty good pick, right? You know, uh, yeah. uh, I think I sent a message to you guys that he's a wizard. Yeah, I think you did say wizard. Like, <laughs> I think because watching his his patience. And especially the angle where they caught where he's about to get double teamed in the gap. And he's just like, nope. <laughs> and magically sidestepped very smoothly around it. And I, I was mesmerized the whole time watching him run. 
uh, it was fantastic. I'm not sure if he was a wizard or if he was Nightcrawler from the X-Men and he was just teleporting he back did, and forth. Oh my, uh, because he did have that kind of, you got it. That's it. I missed it. Dang it. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, I know exactly which run you're talking about. There was one where he just skipped back and forth until all of a sudden there was a hole and he was just like, peace, I'm gone. And uh, like those two dudes were closing him and they had no clue where he was going. He, Absolutely no clue. He has somewhat transformed his running style because that was not how he was two years ago. I mean, he was he was a different running back and he has become so patient. And um, so Greg Rosenthal on the around the NFL podcast mentioned this, and I've been saying this about him for a while. If you go back and watch old Frank Gore tape, I think that's what Marlon Mack looks like. He's not the most explosive back on the field, uh, but he runs patiently. And he makes good cuts and he gets some wiggle and he, he gets positive yards and he just followed his blockers and made good decisions in this mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, the, the play I, I can even think of, I believe it was Braden Smith out on the yeah. right, the right side where he's just, just to that same one. he's just got his hand on his back, shoving him along and just using Braden Smith as his, I mean, like just keeping him in between he and his, his man shield. and gets, yeah. And then he gets to the first down and kind of ducks out at that point and, and he makes it happen. And he just, he just was so good and the Colts needed him to be as good as he was. And, and this was with him as guaranteed less than a hundred percent. I mean, this is a hundred and what, 130 yeah. some yards that he gets on the ground and he's not a hundred percent. He's definitely less than that. Because he didn't really practice. I don't think he had any involvement in practice other than some work on the side at all that in the in the week heading into this game and was a game time decision. And and then he comes out and puts on a great performance. So really speaks to him as a back, but also what we might expect from him coming out of the bye if he's actually able to get healthy. And it was fun to watch him. He was clearly having fun. And there's a run in the first quarter where he he sidestepped like three dudes and then he got out of the you know out of the scrum and had open field and like you could see he's like oh i got out of that and then he picks it up and, and just this you could see the smile and the joy of him like oh i can't believe i made it out of that thing because i think he was even in this weird zone now granted he's playing one of the worst run defenses in the league so he should look really good against them with just his you know basic skills we've seen but there was something different about the way he was running, and and it was it was really impressive to see, and I think we're going to continue to see more of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been exciting to watch him, and of course, it's it's a whole lot more fun being a running back when you get to be behind uh, the offensive line that we have. Yeah. All right. Um, so, Shepard, who is your one? If you've got to pick one, who is the one that you're choosing for your winner for this game so i think the biggest winner in this game um without a doubt has to be justin houston um you know you hear people talk about revenge games a lot and and you know you you hear talk about the the funny revenge games um you know that smaller players have but justin houston built a really solid career in kansas city um you know the the past few years for him uh he struggled staying healthy struggled being on the field uh and the chiefs were paying him a lot of money and and due to that fact a lot of fans felt like that his signing maybe wasn't justified um and you know maybe he uh maybe he wasn't being he was being paid more than what he was worth and and so uh, the the fans maybe weren't great to Justin Houston when he had done a lot for the team and and so to see him come in and 
and uh, you know get a big sack and then ultimately get the run stop that you know that ended the game effectively on fourth down uh, and just to just to see him do that and then I mean you know he he won uh, AFC defensive player of the of the week so um, just to be able to see him have that kind of a game in his former home stadium where he he played every home game uh, for you know the first for the bulk of his career um, to see him be able to do that and to succeed in that way and to have that kind of a game uh, in a what is what I would consider a true revenge game is pretty cool and, and I think Justin Houston's a big winner for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he was an incredibly big part of that success. I mean, we, we talked about in our game preview how important it was going to be for the pass rush to get home and to cause pressure in Patrick Mahomes' face and off the ends, and he absolutely was able to do that. I mean, the numbers on the stat sheet don't jump out at you. This is not like uh, a Khalil Mack-style beatdown where he's just a one-man wrecking crew, but he was a significant part of the pressure that was consistently causing problems for Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And obviously when he was uh, when, when Mahomes hurt his ankle, uh, that became a little bit simpler because he wasn't mobile the same way. But, I mean, he was a big part of, of the success that the defense was able to find because they were not um, – he was not constantly holding the ball for five or ten – you know, seconds or some ridiculous nonsense that sometimes was happening earlier in the season when they just were not getting a consistent pass rush. And he's a big part of that. And absolutely the Colts needed him um, to come up big and he did. And he came up, you know, the, his moments happened in critical points too. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. so much that he had uh, the numbers that he had, but it was also when those numbers took place and they were oftentimes in critical situations. And like you said, the, the one that essentially closed the game out for them uh, was no different and really just, you know, great for him to be able to make that statement in front of those fans. And, um, and, you know, from our perspective, great to have him show up big in a huge game when they really needed him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So my winner, I'm going to cheat. I'm totally (laughs) cheating here because you guys gave really good answers and I'm just going to cheat and I'm going to, so I'm going to take an answer that allows me to, to talk more broadly and I'm going to pick Matt Eberflus as the winner. Um, okay. There were some people who are question who are questioning him. I mean, I remember I specifically got a, a tweet of this, and I can't remember. I would call you out on Twitter if I remembered who you were. But uh, somebody specifically was like, "Is it time to move on from Matt Eberflus? It's time to start talking about uh, that happened." And I it probably it maybe it was in it maybe it wasn't on Twitter. Maybe it was on one of the Stampede Blue comments in in something. But there was it was a legitimate thing that was said, and I don't think I responded. It was one of those because there are some of them that I'm just like, no, you know what, I'm not even because I'm going to get sucked into this. And I'm going to talk to this person for an hour and nobody is going to change their mind and I'm going to be really frustrated and there's no reason for me to engage. So I'm just going to move on. So it was that kind of a conversation where I just don't think I even engaged. But but I heard that. Uh, should we move on from Matt Eberflus? He's not effective in, in what he's doing and we can't seem uh, to find success with, you know, you know, with this team. And I didn't know how to respond to that. But one of the things that I think was clear in this game is this is not a guy who just gets he's not going to lay down against a tough defense. He was if there was anybody who's put in a worse spot than him, uh, I don't know who it was because he's missing his starting safeties. Um, he has guys start dropping early in this game. And I believe they had said at one point he's dialing up like he's he's ready to start throwing out the entire game plan because he's got Kenny Moore with an on the side with a knee injury, maybe not going back in. And I believe that was the first series that that took place on um, the first defensive series. And, you know, then you've got Pierre Desir, who is not doing, you know, not at 100 percent. And you're just I mean, it's looking rough. You've got 
uh, Shaq Taylor comes in and then he gets hurt right away. It's just starting to look like, I mean, you know, you had originally planned on Quincy Wilson playing some safety, but he was going to have to come in at corner and you're shifting guys around and trying to figure out what, who's going to be playing defense. You're getting Marvell tell in here and involved. And that's not a great thing because he's just not near ready to go up against the best passing attack in the NFL. And, so all this stuff is going on and he stays cool. These guys, you know, Kenny Moore manages to get back in and they put this game plan together where you guys have probably seen the numbers. Uh, I shared them. PFF tracked this, but they actually ran uh, 73% of their plays were in a man coverage setup. And that's the most by a wide margin that any Matt Eberflus defense has played man in any game since he's been the defensive coordinator of the Colts. Uh, last year when they played the Chiefs, I believe it was about 25% is what they said was man coverage. So a huge change uh, in terms of man to man versus zone coverage on in this game. And obviously that, you know, we're, there's been people who've pointed out, OK, well, sure, they they were able to do that because. Uh, Tyree Kill wasn't in the game and Sammy Watkins left the game and that made that possible. It not possible otherwise. Yeah, but you're also talking about a team that didn't have Darius Leonard and didn't have its two starting safeties. And that matters, too. So um, credit to him for putting together a game plan that worked. Um, the pass rush got home and that also was a big part of why it worked. But really incredible effort by Matt Eberflus to get this defense ready to play what is unquestionably the best offense in the NFL. Yeah. You know, I think that the people that I, you know, I saw a lot of those comments too, talking about how, how Matt Eberflus hadn't been good and how he's bad. And, you know, those are the same people that think that we run cover two a hundred percent of the time. Um, And, you know, I I get it. It's frustrating when the defense doesn't play well, but like you said, they, they have been hurt and you know what? They are trying things that they didn't really do last year. Um, When Malik Hooker, before he got hurt, um, they were playing a lot of single high coverage and there wasn't a lot of single high coverage played last year. So anytime you have as much new talent on the roster as what the Colts have, and they, they have, uh, they really put a, an infusion of youth somehow. They infused more youth into an already youthful defense. Um, and then they bring all these guys in. You're going to have growing pains. You're going to have guys that look lost. You're going to have guys that don't make great plays. Um, and, you know, you can you can point the finger at Matt Eberflus. Um, you can point the finger at, at the players. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is Matt Eberflus is a good defensive coordinator from my perspective based on what I have seen. He's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Um, I hope that the, the rest of the NFL believes that Matt Eberflus is a terrible defensive coordinator so that he can stay the Colts defensive coordinator for a long time and nobody poaches him. Um, you know, so if you guys want to keep calling him bad, hopefully everybody will believe you and he'll stay here and help the Colts win Super Bowls. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's, I think Matt Eberflus is, is going to help the, the young guys develop, help those guys come along. Uh, and at the end of the year, I think that, you know, we might be looking at having to hire a new defensive coordinator, not because we're firing him, but because he's getting a, a shot at a head coaching position somewhere. So I think that, uh, that Eberflus is definitely a winner from this game. And, and, uh, I, Chris, I don't, I don't think that that answer was cheating. I think it was a pretty solid answer. No, he, he definitely made my list too. And just a credit to, Getting this young, not very healthy crew of dudes together to do something you really haven't been asking them to do as much 
or in some cases they don't, you know, mm-hmm. they rarely do with as much man as they did play this time around. And so getting them in an uncomfortable position, but he felt that was the way to win and they bought in, which is a testament to his coaching on top of that. And, and the coaching staff in general, that every player on this team seems to be bought in and are willing to do what they're asked to do to, to win. And I don't think it's been a scheme problem from what I have seen. I think it has been an execution problem here and there, but these are a bunch of young guys and they haven't all been particularly healthy. So a year and just barely a half in and you're ready to toss him when there were talks that he might get poached as a head coach coming out of last season. Uh, that's, that's insane to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fan, that's fans for you. They're just going to do that. So I, um, I know, but still, yeah, it's, come on. It, yeah. Um, okay. So I, I, there were many more winners. This, this was a great game. There were so many good efforts that would be worth mentioning. And we have mentioned, and uh, I wrote a winners and losers piece and I could have probably written something positive about every single player that was on the field because there really were moments. I mean, you don't win a game against a team like this without that. And yes, there were extenuating circumstances. And if you've undoubtedly heard chiefs fans, uh, putting together every excuse in the book for why their team lost and, and, um, you know, the, it is what it is. There's there's going to be that. There's always going to be excuses. But ultimately, great team effort doesn't happen unless everybody is playing really well. And um, I did have one loser that I listed in my winners and losers, and it was pretty controversial. So I want to talk about it. I'm not going to ask you guys to come up with a loser because I don't think there were many. And I was pretty nitpicky in the loser that I chose. But it definitely got some people pretty fired up. Um and so I, I put Jacoby Brissett as one of the as my my lone loser in this game. And I said that relatively lightly because in a game where you beat a team that you have no business beating um, on the road in a crazy game, uh, you really don't have a whole lot of room to label anyone, let alone your starting quarterback, a loser. But um, Jacoby Brissett, in terms of through this part of the season, I feel like he may be a loser in that I am have, have been more and more convinced as the season has gone on that he is not the guy. Uh, I'm not closing the door on him as a, as the the guy going forward and, and he's played fine uh, and well enough to win games, but also not well enough to make me think that the Colts shouldn't be investigating his replacement in the draft this, this next year. So, um, I mean, he, he threw a pick, he did the same kind of thing that he's done before. He watched the, he's, you know, stared the receiver down, didn't make the, the, I mean, he could have still made a throw that would have completed that pass, even in spite of him, you know, giving away what he was doing, but he didn't make that throw. Uh, Tyron Matthew uh, intercepts that ball that should be a touchdown to Eric Ebron. And I'm not, you know, he didn't just make it as a loser because Eric Ebron is on my fantasy team. And, uh, you know, that's (laughs) not the only reason that I'm, that I'm pinning him with this loser label here, but He's just done things like that. He hasn't quite made the throws he needs to make. Uh, He's missed guys that are open downfield that he's not seeing because he's either not getting through his reads or he's just not looking at one side of the field or he's locking in on one guy he wants to go to. Whatever it is, I don't know the reason for it, but but he's not seeing some of those guys where he ought to and making the plays that you need a franchise quarterback that you're going to stick with in the long term that you need them to make. So. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out yet. I'm not, again, I'm not closing the book on Jacoby Brissett, but I'm still not convinced at this point. And as the season goes on, I'm becoming more convinced that the Colts need to continue looking. Um, And that's, that's the takeaway that I had from this game was that Jacoby Brissett wasn't the reason this team won. Uh, They just weren't, he wasn't the reason that they, 
he just didn't cause them to lose either. So I guess to me that that kind of hung a loser label on him uh, as much as there could be one in this kind of game. I had a few and, and he made the top of my list as well for pretty much every reason that you stated. I, I don't know if I'm as far out on him as you are at this point. Uh, I still think he's pretty darn good, but he just keeps doing the same things over and over and maybe they're getting a little bit worse. And so it is getting worrisome for me and our red zone uh, passing offense is bad. Or at least it was uh, the other night and our, our whole passing game in general is kind of off. And I know that's not 100% on him, but he is a factor in that. What are your thoughts on that Shepard? So as far as Brissett goes, um, he definitely so he definitely didn't play great uh, on on Sunday. So he, if you want to throw him on the loser list, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. As far as as who he is as a quarterback and and what he's got, um, first. Uh, I think that number one, I think that he will continue to improve and grow with Frank Reich. Um, so I don't think that this, I don't think Jacoby Brissett's a, a finished product. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to turn into the second coming of Dan Marino, um, but you know, he can get better. How much better? I'm not sure. Um, but you know, as the, as he grows and the system grows around him, he will improve and he will play better. With that said, he hasn't played poorly. Um, I don't, I really, I really hate it when, People point to to the stats and just say, "Well, look, he's played great because he's got so many touchdowns and so many interceptions." And yeah, to you know, to a certain point, there are baseline stats that can kind of tell a little bit of the story, um, but stats without context are almost always meaningless. Um, Jacoby Brissett has not been a superstar quarterback. What he's been is a guy good enough to go out, um, make the right reads most of the time, make a lot of safe throws, make a lot of high percentage throws, uh, and he's done what the team has asked him to do uh, at a high enough level to, he's not going to, like you said, he's not going to win games on his own. Um, so as long as he goes out and does his part, plays his role and doesn't do anything to lose the game, um, as long as Chris Ballard continues to, to add depth and talent every single year at every other position, um, the, the Colts can still be contenders. Um, obviously the best way to be a consistent perennial playoff contender to, if you get in the playoffs, you've got a shot, right? Like that's, that's that that is what it is every couple of years we see a team make the playoffs that definitely isn't the best team in the league um, but they usually have a franchise quarterback and and they get hot at the right time and they make a run uh, so you know it, if the Colts can do that um, you know it, the, their best chance to be able to do that year in and year out is with a, a franchise quarterback I don't think Jacoby Brissett is a true franchise quarterback um, with that said he's good enough to win a lot of games and he's good enough to to do uh, a lot of the things that we need him to do to keep the to keep this this talented Colts team in a lot of games uh, and to not lose any. So, you know, we could do a lot worse than Jacoby Brissett. I'm not in a hurry to replace him for you know just the first guy that we kind of maybe think might be something in the draft. Um, I, I wouldn't be in a rush to replace him um, because you know as soon as we do that, uh, you know, you can you can talk to fans of a lot of teams that have gone through. You know, 15, 20 quarterbacks before they find a guy that they think might be their starter. So, you know, we could do a lot worse than Brissett. Um, it is something that certainly 
eventually will need to be upgraded if we want to be perennial contenders. Um, but just as far as what he can do on a football field, he plays solid. Uh, he's a great leader, um, and we could do a lot worse than, than Jacoby Brissett. And one of the reasons I'm not, like I said, completely out on him at this point, saying we need to also find a replacement, but I have some concern is how many games has he actually started? Right. Yeah. 20-something? Yeah. Uh, and, and 16 of those – we're in a really bad situation. Mm-hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, we need to treat this as the rookie season. My issue is, you know, I, I see some things consistently popping up that I would like for him to clean up, but 20 some games in the jury still got to be out on this guy for some time. Uh, but I, I don't want to, you know, see regression in general. Uh, I, I want to see him improve and I hope he will. Uh, but the the passing game has not been great, and I think we can go into some of that in our next segment. Uh, but and like I said it's not all him. You know, other people have to step up. He has made some great throws that should have been catches, and they weren't. And those are not his fault. And so the numbers, like you said, Shepard, without context, don't tell the whole story. Right. Well, and. So I want to be clear, too, because it seems like a lot of people have, have taken my perspective, and I know uh, it was a, kind of a, a hot topic in my Winners and Losers story that I was just you know taking shots at Jacoby Brissett or anything like that. That's not my point. My point, actually, is that the Colts are in a really good spot because they have a chance to go out and get a guy who they think could be the next franchise quarterback and sit them behind Jacoby Brissett, and, and they've got – they're, uh, you know, Alex Smith, kind of a quarterback who is who's a good quarterback, honestly. I mean, who is a player who can do a lot of really good things for the team. And like you said, when the team is good around them, they're going to win a lot of games with Jacoby Brissett. But if they have a chance to get a guy who they think can take them to the next level, they have the opportunity to go and get them. So they're in a really good spot there. Um, I don't think they need to be, like you said, in a hurry to be gone. Uh, from Jacoby Brissett, they don't need to do that. They can they can wait and be patient and get somebody who they really feel good about. And I think that they will. Chris Ballard likes competition. He's not going to just uh, you know throw up his hands and say, "Well, good enough." I mean, that's not what he does. So so we can expect that they'll probably get a quarterback in this uh, in this draft. And we don't know where they'll get him. We don't know you know what their plans are there. But they have somebody who is a very talented quarterback, and and they'll continue to look to improve at every position. So if they see somebody who they think makes sense, they'll probably go out and get them. But but they can still win a whole lot of games as a team doing the kind of things that they did on Sunday. So very excited about uh, about what this team can do together uh, going forward. And, and that was definitely uh, a great showing of what the whole team can do and what that effort looks like when they all play together. So I think Jacoby actually showed how much because uh, apparently what second half or whatever on the sideline, he was telling Reich, let's just keep running the ball. You know, he, he was in. He doesn't care about his numbers. Yeah. He cares about winning and he sees what's working and he's going to go with working. What's what's working? You know, we probably, we expect the same out of Andrew Luck. Go with what's working. He didn't need to throw for three, five or three to 400 yards a game. If, if Andrew Luck could have handed the ball off to Marlon Mack as much as he did several years ago and just let him run roughshod on defenses, he would have gladly done it. So another team player, bought into the system. Let's win at all costs. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a real quick break and then we're going to be back and uh, go into uh, a new segment. So we'll be right back after this. 
most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. So I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to take advantage of TickPick stuff yet, but one thing that you'll want to use if you do take advantage of it is we actually have our own offer code now. So $10 off $100 orders or more uh, using the code Stampede. So code Stampede, if you use TickPick, put that in there and get save 10 bucks off of orders over $100. So now we're going to be in a new segment and it's actually titled, The Truth is Out There. And so what we're going to do here in this segment, guys, it's kind of poorly defined. And I'm, I'm going to talk right over this because I have no clue if this is going to come out really loud or if you can you know, comfortably <laughs> hear this or not. But we're going to be talking about the offense and defense, about the Colts up to this point in the season. And are they what we have gotten from them so far? Are we looking at a team that is really as good uh, as we think they are? Hmm. are? Are these different parts um, as good as we think or are they w as bad as they've looked? Or what is the truth? Is is uh, is there something in between? So so we're going to take an opportunity We're we're all going to throw out um, some things that we think are, you know, maybe illusions, things that, that are, are not really the truth and some things that we think, uh, to try, we're going to dig through all of what we've seen through five weeks of football and, and try to find the truth in all of that. So, uh, Jim, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to you here 
And what have you got that you think is, uh, I'm going to let you search for the truth. I'm going to let you look for your thing that you think is true here about the cults that we've seen so far, whether it be something that we've seen that was an illusion and you, and you think you know what the truth is, or whether you think that something we've seen is the truth about what this team is. Uh, so specifically starting off on offense? Either, where, wherever you want. You can go with it wherever you want to. Ah, okay. I think the illusion is that this team cannot stop the run. All right. I'm interested. And and I say that now we know week one, they were not good kind of all around, especially in the run game. Mm-hmm. Not great at stopping that. But with Sheard back in, we're seeing dudes starting to get healthy again with the and we didn't play a great running team, but we we did not allow them really to run at all. And um, and we got after the quarterback. So we, we kind of took everything away from them for the most part. And I think that mentality and that momentum is going to carry over as guys get healthier. This defense is going to get even better and we're going to tighten down on the run again. And we're going to actually be a run stuffing team going through the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. And, and I, I'm not going to step too much into this because it kind of ties into something that I said, but, or that I'm going to say for mine, but um, yeah, I, I, that's really interesting because it, it's just not been good so far. And it was a strength of this team last year. So it's just kind of confusing. Um, and it, it's hard to know because we've got at this point, you know, we've played teams that several teams that had beat up offensive lines. Uh, the Chiefs obviously did. And their offensive line hasn't been great so far this season anyway. So it's hard to know. I mean, they don't have anyone on their uh, in their backfield that makes you think they ought to be able to run really effectively against the Colts or against any team, but we've given up runs to teams that were not very good in the run game and had beat up offensive lines. So it, it's hard to know what, what is the real thing, but I'm, I'm going to definitely be interested as, as the back half of this season goes to see what this team really looks like. Cause we're going to play some teams down the stretch that are, are going to be, I mean, I don't know that we're going to play um, anyone like what we played last year. I mean, we had a, we had a, a run of some pretty good, running backs last season and we're not going to play anything that's going to come close to that but it's going to be really interesting to see how the back half of the season looks to see which version of this team um is is the real one and and jim says you know the running game that's that's not going to be happening against this defense all season long it's that our run defense is legit so that's interesting i'll be curious to see if that's true i hope so because i think we're going to see more of Kari willis after this bye we're going to see more of george odom and, you know, I I kind of became a George Odin, Odom fan <laughs> this last Sunday. And I never thought I'd actually say that. Uh, but I think those two and then getting Malik Hooker back, you know, to to be that single high safety. But when we need to load up the box, I think we got two guys who could do it. And uh, with the way this team was actually getting after the ball again, you know, reminiscent of what they were doing last year, that spark seemed to be there. And so I have high hopes. I'm I came into this game real down, and I'm not going to be try to be too like you know pie in the sky coming out of it. But I, I see a life in this defense that I uh, I had not seen in the, in the previous four games. All right, uh, Shepard, have you got yours? Yeah. So um, my truth, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a truth on offense. Um, so my truth on offense is that. Um, the Indianapolis, the 2019 Indianapolis Colts 
are as physical uh, of an offense as what they appeared to be against Kansas City. Um, this is another one we've kind of seen them go back and forth, and and you know they haven't been able to necessarily move the ball on the ground. And I think that a lot of that is due to game circumstance and just some of the things that they were trying to do. Um, you know, throughout some games earlier in the year, but I, I truly believe that this is the identity that they've wanted to have. Uh, they went out and they were able to execute it perfectly against a not great uh, front seven. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is I do believe that this is a very physical front. Uh, and I believe that they will be able to continue to move the ball on the ground. Um, you know, and honestly, I, I so I like Marlon Mack a lot, but I honestly believe that, regardless of whether it's Marlon Mack or Jordan Wilkins or even Naheem Hines, I think that there is going to be, I think there's going to be room to run for whoever is getting the the ball. Uh, and I think that it is just due to the fact that this is a more physical team than maybe we've seen throughout parts of the, the early season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, this is, this is a team that had a little bit of a letdown against the Raiders and uh, they haven't always been as as brutal as they were on Sunday. And they, and they had that, you know, week one uh, where Marlon Mack just really looked amazing and the offensive line really stood up against the chargers, but they have been more physical, I think, than, than not. And I definitely agree. I think that's, that is more representative of what this team is. And it's, I, I, somebody Somebody said this, and I don't know where it came from, but it made me laugh because it's absolutely true. This is exactly the kind of offense that Chuck Pagano wanted to run. This is exactly the kind of team that he envisioned having and could never build. <laughs> and it, this is just this is a physical smash mouth team that can absolutely do a bunch of different things depending upon how they need to beat you. I don't think that we should expect to see this team do exactly what it did against Kansas city in every game, because that's not the way that they need to play every team that they're going to play. But I think they're a team that has that capability and they're, they're going to be physical up front on the offensive line. That's going to happen every week. And they're going to try to run the ball, you know, go over hundred yards on you every single week, regardless of who you are. And I don't think it's just the offensive line either. They're getting good physical blocking from their receivers and mm-hmm. from the running backs. Uh, and the tight ends. Yeah, yeah and the tight ends, yeah. And and even, you know, Ebron's been getting in the blocking game somewhat. Like, everybody seems to be bought in on that scheme. I know I keep coming back to that phrase, but I don't think I can say it enough. They're all in on this. And, you know, seeing uh, Mac pick up some of the blitzes that he did and uh, like I said, the seeing the receivers like Pascal really getting down there and, and helping out in the in the run game and the blocking uh, scheme was is awesome to see across the board. Yeah. So my the, the thing that I think is true about this team, the uh, the truth that's out there on this Colts team is that I think that this defense and I made this kind of observation i think on the game preview show or or the earlier show in the week this defense is i think what we saw last sunday and i know that that's an easy thing to say and it sounds like i'm just you know jumping on this you know hype train that's just taking place but i think one of the things that i made this observation uh on one of those shows was that the veterans have been the ones who've played bad you know the poor performances have come from those veterans who we witnessed play better we knew that kenny moore is a good sound tackler but he was overrunning players and missing tackles uh we knew that anthony walker had played better in prior years we knew that and maybe maybe not you know great but he played better last year than he's played so far this year we knew 
that Pierre Desir had played better last year than he's playing this year. Several of these players had better seasons last year and looked better overall than they did last year. And I think, you know, getting Jabal Sheard back made the offense or the defensive line look a whole lot better. And he was back for full time snaps. Basically, he wasn't in the whole game, but he was in about as much as it was normal for him last season. So having a full workload uh, changed what it looked like up front. And, you know, getting Darius Leonard back is going to change what the responsibilities look like for uh, for Anthony Walker, even if he's probably going to have to share some time with Bobby Okereke, who, by the way, definitely should have been. You know, he deserved credit for being a winner because he was stupid in coverage downfield on on Damian Williams, I believe, where he was, you know, like 25 yards downfield and right in step with the running back. Yeah. But anyway, I think that because of what we've seen from these veterans before and because of what we saw from them on Sunday, I think that's what's reality. I think that's not an illusion. I think that is what it is. I think we can expect that more often than not. I'm not saying that they're going to play that well on defense across the board every week, but the, the guys who are playing well over the past couple of weeks, Kari Willis was probably the best defensive player over the past three weeks, you know, in total. And that's a problem not because Kari Willis played badly and, and he's the best one, but just because nobody else was really playing very well until this past week. And I think that's more the reality. I think that's more uh, what we can expect to see going forward is that those veterans are better than they were showing over the first couple of weeks of the season. And so we can expect them to raise their level of play. And then when you when you add in great rookie performances like Kari Willis and, and really this guy, we keep you know, Rocky Sin does not get talked about very much. And somehow he just has he's got this starting role as a corner and we just don't talk about him. And I know he hasn't been he hasn't been great, but this is a guy who has come in now and has just taken over starting cornerback responsibilities as a rookie. And that's not a small thing. He's <laughs> taken on really tough players. I mean, he did really well uh, in several of his his games where he started every defensive snap. He's done really well. He hasn't given up these backbreaking plays where you just look and go, man, this guy just got picked on. Now he hasn't done that. And he's played good quarterbacks and he's done well against good receivers. And that's that's impressive. I mean, when you look at how young these guys are and you look at some of these rookies and how well they've played, and then you add in, hey, these veterans could bring their level back to the norm or at least closer to that. I think that's more the uh, the reality. And we can expect to see this defense be more sound tacklers, uh, keep the play in front of them and keep contained like they did last season and get some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, now, how Kamoko Trey going out impacts the pressure on the quarterback part, I don't know. Um, but in terms of the run game, I think this was more indicative, and this this is why it kind of ties back to what you said, Jim. I think this is more indicative of what this team looks like because they were good tacklers. They swarmed to the ball, uh, and they created turnovers. That's what they did in this game that made things happen, and that's what they did all of last season that made things happen, and they hadn't been doing it so far in this season, and it made me. that's what makes me think this is the reality that we can expect to see over the coming weeks for this defense. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think that that's uh, that's realistic, and I think that you know, it's something that you've got an adjustment period, and the, everybody's going to come back and and uh, and kind of start to play like we know that they can play. Um, and I, you know, it's going to be hopefully, uh, if if we're right, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they've been and like we mentioned earlier, they've been changing it up a bit. This is not the exact same you know scheme they ran last season, so everybody is kind of getting used to you know, a, a bit of a different playing style than especially the veterans and what they played last season. And so there we're seeing adjustments being made and I, I am 
I am excited for the rest of the season on the defensive side of the ball because I thought, like I said earlier, what we saw on Sunday, I think, is a good portion of what we can see going forward. Also, and this is a note to of encouragement, is so the Colts come out of the bye and play the Texans, who we absolutely know we can hang with. Regardless, the Texans are a very good team, but they're the Texans. We've, we play them close, and we'll have some level of success against them no matter what. But after that, we have three games in which the combined record of our opponents, they have two wins combined amongst the three teams that will be playing the Broncos, the Steelers and the Dolphins. So there's a pretty good next four games lined up for us to have some success. And the defense should not have a whole lot of stress about uh, any of those teams other than the Texans. So definitely that's encouraging. It'll be really interesting to see how the defense looks over that time. Um, I have one more that I want to talk about because this is definitely one that that we just I'm not sure we know the answer at this point. So I want to know what you guys think is the truth. Is Adam Vinatieri back or is he not back? I'm I, there's most of me wants to say after Sunday. Yep. Give him credit. He looked good. Do you guys think this is an illusion? Are we going to see this resurface and rear its ugly head at some point in the season? Or is he back? No, I think he's I think he's back. Just watching him kick all game long. Uh, the ball the ball was coming off of his foot really well or early in the season. Even when Vinatieri managed to to limp one in, the ball came off of his foot really weird. Um, it was it just it it didn't look right. Uh, and what I saw on Sunday was a, a guy who was confident. Uh, the ball came off of his foot and was was true all day long. Uh, even in, even in warmups, uh, he looked good. The ball was flying well. Um, yeah, I, I believe Adam Vinatieri's back. Yeah, I I agree too. I mean, he he did the professional thing. He went back and looked at film, said, "Okay, I'm doing this. I need to adjust this." They came up with a plan of him kicking less in practice and things like that because he's you know old, and so you make adjustments and he's a professional and he made the adjustments and I I think he's going to be fine. Very good. Well, that's, that is our segment. The truth is out there. (laughs) So I actually, I know this music way too well. Um, I know I haven't written any conspiracy pieces yet this year. Um, but this was my phone's ringtone for several that's, years. That's fantastic. I, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, it does not surprise me at all. But yeah, I, I I couldn't help myself. I thought we needed to have uh, have a little bit of something different for for the bye week as we go into it. And, and uh, I'm I'm sorry for all of you if you think that segment totally crashed and burned. But I, it gave me an opportunity to throw that that sound drop in there, and so I decided to do it. <laughs> so. I thought it was a good conversation. Yeah. It was yeah. fun. So, um, so what I want to talk about now before we get out of here, guys, is our Stampede Radio jersey giveaway. And we're giving away, if you haven't heard, uh, we're giving away a home T.Y. Hilton official jersey. Uh, this is an NFL Pro Shop jersey. I didn't like buy this from the back of somebody's car, you know, off the freeway or something like that. This is a legit coming from the Pro Shop T.Y. Hilton jersey. Home, home jersey, whatever size you want. Well, whatever size they make. I mean, if you want like a six XL, I can't really help you. But um, you know, whatever size that you want, I'll, we'll get it for you. Uh, all you have to do in order to win this, to enter to win anyway, is follow the Stampede Blue Twitter page, which is the at sb underscore podcasts uh, Twitter Twitter uh, username, and then there's a pinned tweet that you need to retweet on that profile. So if if you go to the Stampede Blue Twitter uh, page, the the Stampede Blue Podcasts Twitter page. 
and retweet that pinned uh, tweet that has the information about the the contest and then follow the three of us and I'll drop our, our Twitter handles and stuff at the end of the show here. Uh, but they're also listed in that tweet. If you retweet that, follow all of us and the Stampede Blue Podcasts uh, Twitter. Follow all four of those accounts. And then if you go to the link that's actually attached to the thread on that on that one tweet, you can actually fill out the information that you need to uh, to enter. And then the only other thing that, I've, that I'm asking people to do is uh, rate and review the podcast. And you can you know, do what I really hope that you do, which is to do the, the mean spirited Titans review about them as a restaurant that sucks, which is great. Or you can do a regular review and that's totally fine. Either way, I'm not saying you definitely will win if you do the Titans one, but I mean, I might, I'm just going to leave that to your imagination that it might be better for you to review it. Like, you know, you're making fun of the Titans. You take that however you wish. It's in your Um, best. It's in your best interest (laughs) as a person who actually wants to win. Um, to do that <laughs> no but in, in all seriousness if you write a review we appreciate it and you know i'll i will um maybe you know poke fun at you on here if you are a winner and you didn't do it that way but i'll still you know i'll still send you the jersey i'm i'm good for it but what i'd like for you to do when you do that is actually screenshot that you screenshot your review and send it so that i actually know uh you know who it was that reviewed it so i can make sure that you you know like didn't review something that's not our podcast and just send it to me because that is you know not helpful but send send us that and that's actually linked in the form when you fill out the entry form um and that link will be in in the post on stampede blue it'll be on the twitter link all that stuff so if you do that again as as i've made this about as clear as mud here go to that stampede blue podcasts page on twitter that post has got all the information that you need you click through follow the directions you're signed up. It shouldn't take you five minutes. And then you're entered to win that jersey, I think, costs like 100 bucks. It's a nice jersey. It. I mean, I, I don't have a T.Y. Hilton one myself. I have an Andrew Luck one and a Peyton Manning one. They're both very nice. And uh, so I'll just, if if nobody enters, I'll tell you right now, uh, we have a few entries, but not a lot. And so it's a shoe-in for one of those guys. Like, if you've entered, feel very confident right now because right now you're probably, I mean, you're you're not a coin flip away, but you're very close uh, to an opportunity to win this jersey. And for those of you who haven't jumped in yet, you need to get in and and participate because there's an option to win this jersey and you're missing out. So take advantage of that. We appreciate you guys. We want to give you something for taking care of us. We do appreciate the ratings and the reviews. They help us out a, a great deal, so much so that we're willing to you know, to give you a jersey um, for for participating, for doing that. And if you're already following us, that's okay. You don't have to, I mean, this is not like you have to create a new Twitter account to follow us. If you're already following us, great. You've already done most of the steps. Um, You just, you know, do whatever you haven't done yet and you're covered. If you've already reviewed, take a picture of your review. I mean, you don't have to write a new one. I'm not going to hold you to like, you've got to go in and write a brand new review because, you know, whatever. If you've reviewed us already, take a picture of your review and send it through. That's fine too. So just go ahead and enter. Uh, Give yourself a chance to win. And again, that contest is ending uh, at the end of the month. And then early in November, we will do that drawing and we'll send out the the winner and you'll get a jersey. You know, you'll get in contact with with me and I'll I'll organize getting that to you. And yeah, good stuff. And as a means of showing you all that we appreciate you definitely take advantage of that. Except you, Jim, you can't sign up. Sorry. I've already signed up five times. Oh, well, so see, Jim is the only one who signed up right now. Jim is going <laughs> to win that jersey. Jim is going to win the jersey, and then we're going to have to just listen to Jim bragging about how he gamed the system, guys. So you really need to sign up because that just doesn't seem cool. I don't want to send Jim the jersey. 
Well, Chris and I used to buy jerseys out of Chuck Sub Guy's car too. We used to work with him. So <laughs> at least I assume you did, Chris, because I. Yeah. So if if I were to sign up and win it, uh, it would be the only jersey that I own that I didn't buy out of the trunk of some guy's car. So I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I, I tried to buy an Odell, Beck- Odell Beckham jersey for my nephew from this guy <laughs> from you know the back of his car, and he just flaked out on me. And every time I'd message him, he was like, yeah, I have it. And then I would never hear from him again. And it's like, so I technically owe my nephew. If my To my nephew, if you're listening, I apologize. I, I will get you your birthday you present that I was supposed to give you like back in July. Um, I, I really will. I took him to I took him to Colts camp while the Browns were there so he could see uh, Odell Beckham. And I was supposed to also have a jersey, but it turns out that all I did was take him to Colts camp. But I also took him to a really good barbecue place, and I feel like that was probably better than an Odell, Be- Odell Beckham jersey anyway. So Most definitely. Yeah. All right, guys. I'm going to win that jersey. It's going to be <laughs> mine. Uh, that's all for us. We're going to get out of here. But like I said... Go fill out the stuff, get entered into that contest, give yourself a chance to win. Stampede Blue Podcasts on Twitter is where you need to go to find out all the information there, and you can check out the Stampede Blue uh, post when this uh, when this podcast drops. You can check that out, and it'll have all the details included as well. Keep checking out Stampede Blue, especially over the bye week. We're going to have some more film room stuff coming out. Uh, Zach Hicks just dropped one on Quentin Nelson. If you want to watch that, I'm sure that you will enjoy it because it's – great to watch film of quentin nelson he's a blast to watch and uh so other good stuff like that coming out and we're gonna have all kinds of good stuff over the next week and we'll be back into a normal game week next week as we get ready for for the game against the texans that's going to be a really big game i mean that's that's a game that is going to have long-term implications if the if the texans lose to the chiefs this week then it's an opportunity for the Colts to put themselves two games up in the division or regardless, even if the, if the Texans win, it's a chance for the Colts to go up in the division uh, with a win over the Texans and they'd have a tied record and be um, the Colts would have the, the head to head advantage. So definitely exciting um, big game. And we're going to be ramping up to cover that next week. But until then follow us on Twitter at Chris Blystone at NFL scheme at Jim Campbell, 81 and keep checking out the podcast, checking out Stampede Blue, and we'll be back to talk with you guys next week. See you guys. Laters. See you.